What is up, you guys, and welcome back to episode 33 of the Lombard Trucking Show, where we are, what is it we're doing again? That's right. We're hauling freight and talking that shit from state to state. Got a fucking fantastic one for you guys today. I'm going to fill you in on my last couple weeks up in the Northeast, which were interesting, to say the least. Learned a little, learned a lot, you know, challenged myself a little bit. And then I would be remiss to not go into detail about this quote unquote 25 days of diesel left. And I'm going to talk about how that's a little fear mongering, get into the reality of the situation. But let's get right into it. So I last left you off. I was in the midst of bringing that load. A friend of mine got me from Oklahoma City up to Stanford, delivered that without a hitch, and was back in Connecticut for the weekend. I went to my friend's wedding in Stanford. Uh, if you don't know anything about Stanford, you could basically call it New York City's sixth borough. It's a New York City suburb, to say the least. Uh, it's a city of you know, young professionals. It's a fun town. Uh, my business partner and best friend, Jay, he lived there for a while. So it was good to be back in that town and enjoy it, uh, uh, especially for a wedding, which was right in the heart of the city. So great time. Congrats to my uh, friends, uh, one of which is a regular listener. So thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Had an awesome time. Uh, so now I needed to keep myself busy the next week and make a little bit of money for a wedding I had the following Saturday in the uh, Hudson Valley region, right by Peekskill, New York. And like I've mentioned on this podcast before, when it comes to the Northeast, uh, it's a little dicey. Fuel's high up there. Uh, there are some high rates, but only if you're staying around the Northeast. But when it comes to getting out of New England, those rates are just too shitty. And that's just a supply and demand issue. Now, when it comes to rates overall, I've gotten into why they're trying to bottom out rates and everything like that. Talked a lot enough. I talked enough shit about brokers on this show. But in reality, where they, even though the rates should be higher, the reason why they are low in general is because there are too many trucks in the Northeast trying to get out. A lot of people don't like to hang out there. There's not a lot of good parking. Uh, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of dangerous roads. They're small. There's low overpasses. Stuff to drive in the Northeast, and because it's pretty fucking old there. So there were some good paying stuff that I happened to find. Uh, pretty easy, too. One load I got picked up in Tottawa, New Jersey, and that went up to Methuen, Massachusetts. This one went off without a hitch. It actually was a really awesome experience. I got to the shipper early, got loaded early, and got loaded in 45 minutes. This was, I believe, just some like flour or something like that. At least that's what the plant smelled like. So automatically, I was very happy. Other, I've been to other facilities like that, and you'll be sitting there for three fucking hours. And they'll be like, oh, you know, giving you every excuse under the book. But I got out of there, and now I needed to find a place to sleep that night because it didn't deliver until the next day. However, you know, when it comes to distance travel to the Northeast, things are relatively close. I was going less than 300 miles to Methuen, Massachusetts, which is right about on that New Hampshire border. And so I needed to find some place to sleep overnight. And I wasn't just going to stop back in the middle of Connecticut and then have to wake up super early and make the drive through Hartford and uh, Worcester and shit like that. So I wanted to get as close as I could to the shipper. However, I wasn't going to get up there until maybe five, six o'clock. And when it comes to the truck stops everywhere else in the country, if you get to the truck stop between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., Odds are you can find a spot. I've been having awesome luck lately when it comes to truck parking, even closer to like 6 o'clock, especially at like a TA or Petro. Up in the Northeast, nah, different story. Like I said, limited parking. 
there's a pilot up there in Sturbridge, Mass., which is funny. Used to go on field trips there as a kid. And I called my buddy Ben, who's a, he's a driver over there with Warren. He, I asked him, because he was at that pilot recently, I was like, hey, man, when does this pilot normally fill up? He's like, dude, full by 2.30 in the afternoon, even the paid spots. So I got the intelligence on that. I wasn't going to stop there. So I do the next best thing. I actually call the receiver and ask him about truck parking in the area. And this gentleman, who shares the same first name as me, Michael, awesome guy, this guy went above and beyond. For me i just told him straight up i said hey man i'm on my way up here i was just wondering if you knew of any places in the area like if the walmarts are cool with it only because this place obviously must take regular shipments from tractor trailers with 53 foot trailers so he must know about the general area this guy was like hey what a product are you bring in i gave him the codes on the bill of lading <laughs> and he was telling me oh man actually you know what would really help me out if you brought it to our other warehouse at this address and you could park there easily he's like well you can actually park at both places i think the first warehouse might be bigger but the second place you'll be the first guy there so you could just back right into the door here's my cell phone number in case you need anything uh i'm gonna leave a door unlocked for you uh just go in this door and then on your way back out come out the other door so that way it's locked he's letting me use a bathroom after hours i'm talking above and beyond this guy and it was the I'll give the shout out to the customer. I believe it was Joseph's Bakery. Joseph's Middle East Bakery was the receiver. I think some of their product gets sold at Trader Joe's. You'll have to uh, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong on that one. That's just what I had found when I was Googling who the receiver was. So that way I can find a direct office number. But man, yeah, fantastic. You couldn't ask for anything better. That should be the standard across the industry. That should be how people should act. You know, you, you give what you get, you get what you give sort of thing. I understand that there's a lot of drivers out here who are dicks, who leave their piss bottles places. I get that. But it's just like grouping any one group together. You, you can't go ahead and just group, oh, all truck drivers or all this or all that. You know, you can't deal in absolutes, as they say. So really appreciate that. From there... My next load actually picked up just uh, less than 100 miles away in Hollis Center, Maine, in a Poland Springs uh, bottling and distribution facility. And I grew up on Poland Spring water. Made a TikTok and little video about it, about why you should hydrate. You know, it's uh, it's crazy to, to see or to be involved with something like Poland Spring water, something I grew up drinking. You know, I, I'll never forget going to Maine as a kid, going to a gunkwit, and my parents green and white Coleman cooler taking out an ice cold bottle of Poland Spring on the beach on a hot summer day. And now here I am, you know, hauling it over to a distribution center somewhere to go out, you know, for somebody else to chug a nice cold bottle of water at at their sporting practice or wherever they're taking it. So it was cool to go to. And you can tell as soon as you pull into this place, they've just got rows of trucks, uh, green Poland Spring trucks with the tankers attached to them. Meaning you know that that water is going straight from the source right back to this place. <clears throat> and I went into this place. I was a little bit apprehensive, actually, because I read the reviews for it. Not great. And I was like, oh, going to have to wait here for a while. Not was not that mad about it because this was an odd one with the delivery times. I had to deliver this in Elizabeth, New Jersey at 5 p.m. the next day. And my appointment was for 1 p.m., you know, that the day before. So I had a lot of time 
to deliver this because it was going only about 300 miles. So I wasn't on really a big timeline. You know, uh, Maine actually has a decent amount of parking. There was a place right outside the facility that seemed to have a lot of spots. So I wasn't too worried about it. But I got there early, got my door 45 minutes ahead of my appointment. And it took him probably about 90 minutes to load me. So I got right out of there, made it back to my parents' house. So I actually got to stay in my parents' house that night, sleep in because from the Waterbury, Connecticut area down to Elizabeth, New Jersey, is not a, not a far drive. You know, it's down there by MetLife, kind of. So I got to sleep in, woke up, stretched, got a ride to the truck. And I made my way down there early. I wanted to get there early anyways because uh, I already had... Uh, I was already going to be getting another load, one that was going to take me out of the Northeast. And I'll get to that in just a moment. So I wanted to get down there early, read the reviews on this place too. And I was like, oh God, could be here. Who knows how long I could be here. Uh, it's one of the big ShopRite grocery DC. And, you know, these grocery DCs, like I said, they're, they're the toughest one. Dollar General, the big guys, Walmart. They love keeping you there. They love fucking wasting your time. So I got there and my appointment's at 5 p.m. I'm there at 12.30, whatever. I'll go I'll go get my steps in. But it just sucks because as soon as I parked into their little staging area outside the gate, guy comes up to my door. He goes, is your appointment for today? And I was like, yeah, it's for today. He goes, oh, I've been here since yesterday. And I was like, oh, God, you got to be fucking kidding me, this dude. <coughs> and I told him, I was like, yeah, man, I'm here early. Whatever. He goes, oh, I'm pissed off, blah, blah. Now, I don't know what truck he was driving. Maybe he has a reefer. Like I said, this is why I don't haul fucking reefer trailers. These reefer loads, they reject 30% of them all the time, and they have you sitting, waiting. They want you to have the, te- the fucking trailer at this temperature. Nah, fuck all that. And the rates for reefer don't pay that good or that much more than drive-in anyways. And you got to pay more in diesel fuel. And you got another piece of equipment to fucking take care of. So, nah, fuck that shit. Anyways, I check in. End up. Getting to a door early, though. Uh, my appointment was for 5. I was at a door at 4 p.m. But these places, they require a lumper service. And I hate this stuff. I don't know if I've gone into detail about lumper services. But basically, uh, the, some facilities use uh, another company to unload and take accountability of freight that they're taking in. Uh, the problem is, they. this is something that they charge the, you know, the shipper for. Like, technically... The receiver charges the, the the customer, the shipper, where they're getting the product from for this service. It's a transaction between them. However, they outsource it to the fucking carriers. For some reason, they make motor carriers pay this fee that then gets paid again by the shipper. And it's just another way to fuck the truck driver. It's just another pure fucking laziness uh, thing that they do to motor carriers just to fuck you and because if i'm loaded and that load is loaded safely and i and i don't need to take accountability of it when it gets loaded when that shit is sealed if it gets there i don't give a shit if you're short it doesn't matter it ain't going back on the truck if they're short you call the shipper i'm done but what these fucking places do is they make you sit and wait at the door i was empty in 45 minutes i had to sit and wait another two and a half hours because they have to count every every pallet and every bottle to make sure that they, not every individual water bottle, but to make sure that they have everything. Guess what? It doesn't fucking matter to the motor carrier whether I had everything or not. You call Poland Spring and take it up with them. So that's another thing in this industry that needs to get fucking fixed. These goddamn lumper services, and these receivers thinking that they can butcher my fucking time 
and then make me pay for the service that they did that they're that the fucking broker is going to charge the shipper anyways useless stupid bullshit that this industry suffers for for no fucking reason but anyways no harm no foul not on a huge timeline so when it came to my next load the one that was going to get me out of the northeast got very lucky on this and by very lucky i mean these are the perks of being leased onto a carrier at this moment in time this economy guys who have one truck and their own equipment and their own motor carrier authority uh, it's hard to get contracts with shippers and receivers because they need multiple trucks moving their loads so a lot of guys with their own authority just work off the spot market off these load boards when you're leased onto a carrier though they have customers that you could do stuff for this is why i'm able to take loads out of waco this is why i'm able to take these walmart self-checkouts so uh the first thing on the horn was i was going to be able to take some self-checkouts out of a walmart from norwalk connecticut right off 95 easy money i know the area fucking like no other that 95 corridor in connecticut i was looking forward to it actually because i knew it was going to be easy and with picking up these self-checkouts there's no timeline I can go right back home in Connecticut for the weekend. It could sit, and then I could take it right back to Arkansas on Monday morning. Uh, an audible got called. Somebody else ended up picking up those self-checkouts from Norwalk, but there were self-checkouts Valley Stream, New York, which is actually right next to Queens, right next to JFK. So I had to do some New York City driving. That's what I mean by I had to challenge myself. Very difficult. A lot of people avoid the Northeast because of places like New Jersey and New York. It's tight. The roads are small, a lot of one-ways, a lot of low overpasses. You can't go on parkways. You have to go on expressways. It's dicey. Your GPS will fail you in the Northeast because I watched it happen. It'll tell you to get off certain exits. It doesn't know what roads allow 53-foot trailers. It is tough to maneuver around New York City. But look, I'm going to take on any challenge there is. It doesn't matter, especially because this is the best-paying load coming out at over $3 a mile, it is literally impossible to find anything on the spot market that would ever pay a drive-in that much to get out. So what am I gonna do, say no, back the fuck down? Hell no. I went on Google Maps, I saw it, I said, if I can get there, I know I can park and get there. And I got there, no problem. It, you know, it's, it's, it, it, what sucked the most is the fact that it's at night, so that makes it even harder. But, you know, we, we figured it out, we got there. Got to the Walmart, they loaded me the next morning, Brought the self-checkouts back to Connecticut. Was able to make it to the wedding that weekend. Had a great time. Awesome wedding. I, I, I'm, you know, all's well that ends well. I had a lot of anxiety going into these past few weeks because of the Northeast driving, because of the parking. But now that that loop has closed on that hard experience, I could do it again. Now I know I could do anything. Now I know nothing can stop me. L.A., Chicago, New York City, Orlando, Dallas, Austin, name it. I'm there. Name it. I can do it. So it's big confidence boost experience I needed. Uh, and, you know, hopefully something I could teach, you know, some, some more drivers if we're able to ever add any one of these days soon. But I couldn't make it out of the Northeast without running into a little snag on Monday morning. The first when I went to go ahead and make my march back towards Gravit, Arkansas, I get to my truck. And what do we have here? Fucking coolant on the ground again. And you know, if you've been listening the last few episodes, I just have to ha- I had to have the radiator core replaced. It put me down for the week. So this one actually infuriated me. But I kept my calm. I cracked the hood. At first, it looked like 
those hose clamps, which I've mentioned before, and I have also posted on YouTube that I simply had to get a socket and tighten down these hose clamps. So I do that. I add the coolant that was lost. I mean, the coolant tank still held at about half full, so it's not like it dumped all of it out. I check everything. It seems okay. I tell myself I'm going to drive 100 miles, and then we'll stop and check it. So I drive 100 miles to the TA in Montgomery, New York. This time I pop the hood, and I take a look at that top coolant hose uh, on the clamps. And if you go on YouTube, you can see this, or if you saw it on my Instagram story, uh, you can go ahead. It looks like any coolant hose, it's right there in front of the coolant tank reservoir. It had a huge tear in it and looked like it was about to bust open. I didn't see that initially when I first opened my hood. So maybe this happened over, you know, just during that 100 miles. I'm not too sure. Uh, what pissed me off is maybe this could have gotten caught or maybe the techs working at the Peterbilt dealership back in Buda, Texas could have saw it coming or maybe saw that it was weak uh, when they did a pressure test because in the it maybe it looked too bubbled i don't know um, next time i take this in for a service i'll definitely be having a conversation about it but um once again kept the cool i was at a ta i didn't lose coolant on the road i wasn't shut down it didn't force my engine to shut down you have to take the positives out of the situation that's just how it is in the trucking industry I go to the TA guy, I, I show him the picture. He said, yep, we could definitely fix that. It'll be about 45 minutes before we can get your truck in. No worries. What sucks is I, this is something I actually could have done myself. You could, I could have easily just bought a coolant hose and two hose clamps, cut that one off, lube up the hose, pop it back on. The only thing I don't have the tools for to do myself is to be able to do a successful pressure test to make sure that you've eliminated the leak. Uh, from anywhere else uh, when the truck is with or without pressure in the system. But for I, in theory, I could have done the just the bare bones repair myself. So you get it done. I'm able to, I drive another couple miles. Like I said, this load's not on a timeline, so it's really just however quick I want to get back to Arkansas. End up parking back in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania for the night at that TA. And woke up the next day made my way 644 miles, probably the most I've logged in a day in a while, parked that night in Brazil, Indiana, which is the town where David Goggins uh, grew up, and then woke up from there, made my march all the way back to Gravit, unloaded, and I've already got my next move set to pick up in Springfield, but I'm hanging out here, and basically, I should start claiming residency here, I'm here so much, up in my little honey hole of Joplin, Missouri, to stop off the old Route 66. And that's where I'm coming at you live right now. And now that I have gotten you guys all caught up to the same mile marker, let's get right into today's topic of discussion. And that is that headline you have been DMing me and texting me about. And what all the talking heads like Fucker Carlson on Fox News have been talking about the spooky headline and fear porn of how the U.S. only has 25 days worth of diesel left. Ooh, spooky. I know I just missed Halloween, so I had to get all my spookies out. But okay, so first and foremost, the headline, very misleading. Reason being, you got to click it to find out. And guess what? They got you. They got me too. But that's how they work. If it bleeds, it leads, right? So here's the thing. What it doesn't tell you off the bat is it's not counting the refining process. So that 25 days is not just a countdown to zero. It doesn't mean in 25 days we're going to run out. 
because if we burn the same amount of diesel fuel in a day that we're able to refine, then that number doesn't change. So right there, it's not like we're on this timeline or you know highway to hell or like the freight trains off the rails or so to speak. So I'm not panicking. Another reason why I'm not panicking is because I was an adult and of sober mind in 2008 and remember when this happened once before because we were there before. We had the same amount of supply left in 2008 during the financial crisis and hey, look, we're still here, right? If you're listening, we made it. <laughs> but how did we get here? Because how we got there in 2008 is different from today. So let's start back in 2019. First and foremost, we had a big refinery in Pennsylvania catch fire. Also take into account over the last 15 years, we have closed several refineries, specifically in the Northeast. Now put on top of that, the one-two punch COVID coming in 2020. You have the demand plummet, so they have no need for this supply, so they shut refineries down, including a huge one up in uh, Newfoundland, the Canadian province up there. So with that, it takes a really long time to get these refineries back online. Now, we can go back and have a conversation and toss conspiracy theories around to see if this was by design or who did this or if it was on purpose or not. And look, that's not what I'm trying to get into in this episode. You can DM me about that offline. All in all, what we're facing is a supply issue. How do we fix it? Well, first and foremost, we need to cap diesel exports now. We should have done this over the summer. And I remember reading over the summer, the White House said that they were, quote, thinking about it. And as far as I know, that's still their current stance is that they're thinking about it. But the best time to have done it was yesterday. The second best time is literally right now. We need to cap diesel exports. Another thing that the government could do is pass the Ship It Act, which is what I would, the piece of legislation I was talking to you guys about several episodes ago back over the summer that I told you to call your congressman about, but I guess you guys didn't want to listen. No, it's not, it's not your fault. I'm just making it funny. But the Ship It Act would have suspended the Jones Act, which would allow for the freedom of movement of cargo ships to bring more energies to places that are going to need it heading into the heating season in the Northeast. But hey, look, I'm not panicking. I'm staying optimistic. Look, my eyes are to the sky on this. I think that we have very poor leadership at the top. Um, it really, really sucks because we have been here before. We were here in 2008 and we got out of it. So we should have the knowledge and power and experience to get out of it better for everyone right now. And what pisses me off the most is the leadership that was around in 2008 is some of the leadership we have today. Our current president was the incoming vice president when this was going on. This is like, I'm still not, just to not get off topic, but I'm still not over Afghanistan because of how closely relatable it was to the fall of Saigon and the pullout of Vietnam. And the thing is, we've had, we've had leaders from that era still around today during the fall of Afghanistan. And what I just don't get is why the fuck we're here. This is the result of constantly over and over letting money poison our politics and voting for the lesser of two evils. There's no other way to put it. When you keep consistently voting for evil over and over because of X, Y, and Z, you're going to wind up at the same destination. You're merely switching seats on the Titanic. Look, we're at a tough time in our country, and I don't want to tell anybody how they need to vote. I don't want to tell you who, who to vote for or question your principles. 
Uh, I'm just trying to have open and good conversation about it. But when you go to the voting booth, put in the back of your mind, whose team are you on? Are you on their team, their political party's team, or are you on America's team? Because that's it at the end of the day. There is no red. There is no blue. And I hate being the type of guy to say both sides. There's ignorance on both sides because I think it's a cop-out of either of which his own flaws. So I don't like using that term. But I'm not going to be ashamed to say that that's the fucking truth. There's one fucking side, and it's America's side. And you should always know that when you go into the voting booth. And you should know that whenever you're going out, meeting new people, meeting friends, all that sort of stuff. It's just knowing that we're all on the same team here. We are all on the same boat. No matter what, it's going down. But here's the thing. If it's going down, let's make sure also everybody's got a lifeboat too. But that's all I got for you guys. That's the episode. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, get at me on all the socials. Um, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. I'm out there. I'm talking. I'm keeping up with the content. Reach out to me uh, if you got any questions. Uh, looking to ramp up some more of these podcast episodes. There's more stuff I want to talk about. I got some guests I want to have on, some other drivers who got some cool stories that I want to talk about. And, uh, yeah, but that's all I got for you guys. Uh, just go out there and uh, make someone smile today. If you ever want to talk, I'll be here.